Welcome to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding, Nurturing Miracles, a podcast dedicated to the unique challenges and joys of parenting medically complex kids. Each week, we'll engage in discussions relevant to all parents navigating their children's illnesses. I'm your host, Megan Pa, a lactation consultant and mom to a medically complex child, here to share insights and support on this nurturing journey. Hi guys, welcome back to Baby Wearing and Breastfeeding Miracles, the podcast where we do a deep dive into everything baby wearing and breastfeeding, specifically tailored to our medically complex kids. I'm your host, Megan Pa, and I am a mom of four. My youngest uh, has kidney disease, and he was diagnosed when I was 20 weeks pregnant. So he's five now, and we have been on that journey. And baby wearing and breastfeeding were really beneficial to us. And so Um, I'm also a nurse and a lactation consultant, and I wanted to start this podcast and share all of those things that I've learned that are great resources, um, how you can advocate for yourself and give you guys a stepping stone for um, anything that you may be going through. Today, we are going to be talking to Andrea Peterson. She is a working mama of two sweet baby girls. They are four and two. And Andrea found out at her 18-week appointment that her youngest daughter um, was diagnosed with Down syndrome. So she is going to be sharing that with us today um, and just telling us a little bit about her journey. So thank you so much for joining me today, Andrea. I really appreciate you taking the time away from your cuties. Of course. Happy to be here. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Um, Just kind of start from the beginning, like when you found out the diagnosis and walk us through, was her birth any different than Amelia's, your older daughter? Like what, what were the early, the early days like for you? I mean, I think, and most pregnant women get a basic blood work done um, in the beginning of your pregnancy. That's meant to tell you like, hey, these are some things that could be coming your way. Um, So like everybody else got that done, got the results back and it says, you're great. Everything looks good. You know, so we're smooth sailing. Um, This baby was a rainbow baby. So, you know, we're we're very blessed and, and happy with where we're at and went into our 18 week anatomy scan, at which point the doctor noticed a couple of what they call soft markers, which when combined can be indicators um, of some genetic abnormalities. So for Blair, um, my my youngest daughter, there was a bright spot on the heart um, and an enlarged kidney. So of course, you know, we're in COVID times at that that point. So um, it was just me, you know, in the room there. And, you know, there's kind of that weird quiet, like, you know, you're like, this is a little, okay, like what's going on? You know, and afterwards they said, okay, we're going to send you over to the doctor. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, I bet they're going to tell me something about the kidneys. Like, we're going to have to do something, you know, and she comes in and sits me down and says, hey, you got a couple soft markers here. These typically can show up for kids with Down syndrome. But she's like, your blood work came back thought Like, I'm sure it's fine. Like, let's get this extra blood work done and just, just check. Uh, okay. You know, you know, heart starts going. You're like, whew, that's some change. That's some change, yeah, right? Not what you were expecting. Yeah. Not what you're not what you're expecting. And um, you're there alone. So you're having to kind of like process that by yourself. Yes. And, and trying to be normal. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, everything's great. Like, mm-hmm. sure, I'll go get the blood work done. You know, so went and got the, you got the blood work done. And then there's weight. 
you know don't um, you hate the waiting to me yes. I, oh god everybody i've talked to the waiting is the worst it is it is brutal well it's it's, it's like a mind game right oh, god, um, yeah. for for me it's like that time period was that what if what if mm-hmm. maybe not maybe so what if what am i gonna do and i'm the kind of a person that sometimes sits with stuff a little bit like that i don't even know is actually gonna happen but um, I'm a little grateful for that sort of mindset at that point in time, because about a week later, again, happened to be sitting by myself at home, um, got the call that the results came back positive for Down syndrome. We did not opt for any invasive testing. Again, she was a rainbow baby. We had already agreed in that week time frame that like we're yeah. so blessed and so excited and no matter what happens, but it still hits, hits you like a train a little bit. Um, disability was not part of my life my family's life um we don't have anyone with disability in our family at least you know visible disability i should say and so it was that immediate like what is everyone gonna say what are we gonna do my whole life is gonna change and that process took a long took a while um to get through um and i think that moment in time was so defining of I think who I am today and like how the past couple of years have progressed and if I hadn't got like had that really grounding moment of like this is changing my life I don't know I feel very lucky to have been in a situation where it wasn't full all doomsday um you know, there's a lot of people that talk about how negative the conversation is um it certainly wasn't rosy but it wasn't too bad and then you know so you kind of go through the rest of the pregnancy and everything's fine like we're happy we find we got to get over that that initial like jarring piece of it and then i remember telling my OBGYN, i said the one thing i want is for there to be joy in the room i said she is a baby like anybody else and i said that's my biggest concern i said i don't want people coming in there being like oh i'm so sorry or what what are you gonna yep. do like everything's gonna there's so much to do now And I can tell you it was wonderful. It was joyous. It was great. Um, Even though you have like 15 more doctors in the room than you normally would. um, It was wonderful. And I'm so grateful for the team at the hospital we were at for showing us that love. So I feel lucky. I know I'm not maybe an exception in some cases, but I feel very lucky for that. I love it. And that makes me so happy for you. And I, I want to touch on something that you said, because, you know, in my experience with my son and the more mothers I talk to, and I just want to put it out there for everybody listening, that you may not know how to respond to the news that like somebody that you care for or love is telling you something like, my child has Down syndrome, or my child has this medical disability or condition. But I can tell you from a mother's perspective and from all the mothers that I've talked to, we still want you guys to be like, congratulations on your new baby. We still want it to be beautiful. We still want that, like, I'm happy for you. Like, this is tough. You're going through something challenging. But please, if you've got somebody giving you that news, still, you know, and and I I will add that I think that it's probably okay to also ask them, how do you feel about it? Um, before responding first, but I do think that a lot of us are still looking for like, I'm happy. This is, you know, like you're having a baby, you know, that's it's still good news. A hundred percent. 
Yeah. I think that's like when I look in the the Down syndrome communities that I'm a part of on you know social media and other places. The best news is when people post and say, "I just talked to so and so. I just told my family, and they came back and said these wonderful things." And it's it is nice, and it is something I think to remember um, when talking to anybody. Really, yeah. um, yep. it's joyous. Yep, absolutely. And human beings, our emotions are multifaceted. So we can feel sad and scared and yes. also excited and happy. Absolutely. And it's okay for you to people to reflect that back to you. So it's, it is all there. Okay. What are some things actually, I, there's another thing I wanted to touch on before, before I ask more questions. And that is, you mentioned how you really had to process that first jolt of the news. And once, once you've processed that, I do imagine that there's more processing going on, right? You had a beautiful birth, Blair's here. What did it transfer into? Like now were you, you know, you were, now you're processing a life with a baby that has Down syndrome. So what does that look like for you? So what kind of like when you're going through the pregnancy and stuff, there's a lot of the like really medical medical stuff that's like you've got to like for her kidney you've got to that's a big thing we have to tackle right so right after she's born she was in the NICU for a week and a half um which again I feel very blessed it's that's a fairly short amount of time compared to some some other kiddos Mm -hmm. um you know but it's like moving right into that kidney piece right how are we going to address that what's the plan for that so there's certainly that piece of it right but then you know in that time frame I'm joining these communities I'm adding like i like to say that i made it a part of my life before she was even here right so i'm joining the down syndrome groups and everywhere you look it's like pt ot all the therapies is she getting this is she doing that and so you know you jump into like where where's my therapist gonna be who's also so it's like you it's go mode almost I, I think you'd agree. It's like, you don't, there's no time to waste. No time like the present to yeah. press you're lining on. Up her, so even before she's born, you're lining up the medical team. Oh, so my I gosh. think, I think yes. that's, that's a huge piece of women who find out their child's medical complexity when they're pregnant. We all have to then go and line up all of those medical doctors that we need to be seeing. We're already like talking to them, getting you know, information ahead of time. What are, what's going to be our steps when the baby's born. So you yep. did all of that when you yeah. were pregnant. It's like, get your folio together, make sure yeah. you've got the contact yeah. info. And that's in addition to the basic stuff you do with typical kids, like pediatrician appointments. Like, yep. are you all the basics? And it's like, you got to do all that. And then I've got to figure out how I'm going to feed my child who doesn't eat like other kids. And mm-hmm. I have to hold her sideways so she eats without aspirating and you know there's all that like it's just like an extra a little bit of an extra layer there in addition to just being a new mom so there's there's multiple layers there yeah yeah so it really started so after the after processing the news there was another layer added on which was you had to process the there's there's no time to sit and just enjoy and relax with this pregnancy It's now we're in go mode and we're planning we're planning for all of these things so when she was born after you guys got home from the NICU 
Was it continuing to be that fast pace where we've got doctor's appointments, we've got, you know, medical tests and procedures? You know, I imagine it's actually we're now up like up a notch. You know what I mean? So we've kicked things into high gear. Has there ever been a point um, in the past two years where it has settled and you feel like you're into a good routine? When did did that happen for you? When did Um, that happen? I think for me, having a medically complex child, routine is subjective. Mm -hmm. Um, That was your new normal, I think. It is, right? So, you know, every season of her life has brought like different stuff. And I feel like every time we have a lull, maybe, between big appointments, it's filled with the PT, OT, speech, you know, all those other normal things. But again, like I work, I have a, you know, a full-time job and so does my husband. And we pepper in there all these therapies all week. And that's, so for me, like a normal week is like, did all of our, are all of our therapists healthy and can see Blair? Is Blair healthy? Can she see the therapist? You know, what appointment do I need to schedule this week so I can go to it next week? Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a, you do settle in at some point to just reality of how it is with a medically complex child and that it's just your new normal. And I think getting into that mindset that that's life, I think makes it a little easier. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Are there certain things that have helped you? Like we were talking earlier, you know, you have um, maybe baby wearing is something that helps you go to appointments. Like how have you utilized that? Do you utilize it outside of appointments? You know, because I know that with Down syndrome babies, they may take a little bit longer to start walking. Mm -hmm. So are you carrying her more? Right. So, I mean, from the beginning with Blair, I mean, you start with low muscle tone. Um, Typically kids with Down syndrome um, have that low muscle tone, which means that they don't like somebody described it to me once like a rubber band and I'll like put my <laughs> so you know a, a typical person will start with their rubber band taut like you're ready to go you're ready to move yeah. but someone with low muscle tone is they're slack so you have to come from the slack to taut to then move and so for babies who are already at a significant disadvantage um mm-hmm. you know you're having to overcome quite a lot. And so for me, when she was, especially when she was little, finding a carrier that was going to provide her with support, like real support, um, was critical because the challenge with low muscle tone, especially for really young kids is it can block their airway. If they're not, if they're not fully supported all the way through their trunk, um, they could risk like fully losing oxygen. Um, and that's a major concern. So, Certainly in the early days, having that like the strength of a baby carrier, because that connection that you get from baby wearing, I think is so critical in those early stages. And when we are feeding her like a typical child, mm-hmm. having another way to connect for me, keeping her close by baby wearing was an option. Then of course, like the amount of appointments, um, being able to easily like carry her in, have my hands free to carry the diaper bag, to carry the portfolio of all the doctor stuff was really important. We talk about, I have a four-year-old. 
Uh, I don't know about you, but my kid seems to not be able to walk sometimes when we're going anywhere. You know, all of a sudden it's like I've been walking for five minutes and now I just, I can't walk. I don't, I don't like yeah. to work. So, you know, we, we have her in the stroller that maybe was initially meant for Blair. So having flexibility is, is really critical. And I'll tell you most recently, um, again, Blair's almost two. She's been teething a lot. She's got a cold, who, which kid doesn't. And so she's been really like needing that yeah. support, that calming. And I kid you not, for the past week, every day she has been in the carrier. Yeah. Um, she falls asleep. She naps. She calms. She soothes. Yeah. Um, and it's made such an incredible difference. So, yeah. Well, I mean... And that's like, that's the funny thing is that people don't realize like, you think about just any healthy term pregnancy, any, you know, healthy kid when they are going through normal bouts of illness, like with a cold, like, what do you, like, even an adult, you just want snuggles. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you just want your mama to hold you or your daddy, your caregiver to hold you and snuggle. But especially like if you have an older child, you can't always just sit there all day and snuggle as much as we would want to. So baby wearing gives you that freedom to attend to their needs and still be, you know, active with your older mm -hmm. daughter. So, you know, and especially like, uh, especially with children with medical complexities, obviously they're more susceptible to things like common colds and um, depending what they have, um, their immune system might be low. So there's going to be a lot more, I need snuggles. Um, so, so my other question for you is, did you experiment with carriers? Did you, do you feel like soft structure because they're so like the buckle carriers are providing more, it's more sturdy for her because I'm imagining that you would probably want to steer away from like a stretchy wrap because they're absolutely, there is more possibility for baby to, with a low muscle tone to kind of do this motion and come in onto themselves. And then you worry about the chin to the chest kind of right. thing any parent should be looking out for that shouldn't that shouldn't happen in any carrier um but with a baby with low muscle tone those are the things that you're keeping more of a stringent eye on right so did you experiment with like ring slings or um half buckles or anything like that do you have a preference to be honest i mean i think having blair i kind of knew right away like that, the yeah. ring slings Which and the soft know. things mm -hmm. that i may have used with amelia were just not gonna be right for us um i think I focused a lot on whether or not the carrier was suitable for a child who has low muscle tone. Yeah. So a structure that is solid, that wraps around, that puts their legs in the right place, that is, gives you that full back support was incredibly, incredibly important. Um, you know, again, that for me, in addition to that, I looked for longevity. I looked for what is going to ensure that I can use this when she's young and then yeah. through to yeah. when she's older. Like, again, she's two. She's almost two. Yeah. And so like, you really need a carrier that has like, an up, a larger upper weight limit, which weight um, limit, 100%. really that kind of stretchy wraps and ring slings kind of cap out at like the 35 pounds. And yeah. we all know that like, especially if you've got a good chunky baby that yeah. you can be hitting 45 pounds, you know, in toddler years. So, right. So that was definitely, I mean, again, the, the flexibility support, and longevity for me were, were big things, um, when I was looking for a carrier. Yeah, absolutely. So now that she's two and you still baby wear 
frequently. Do you get any social backlash from that? And maybe you don't, but I have noticed um, because I I will still, um, granted my child's much bigger now, but when you start to wear your, your child into the threes and fours, like you get looks, do you know what I mean? They have legs, they can walk. Uh, <laughs> especially when your child has a condition that is not visible, you know? Um, so do you, have you noticed that at all? I mean, I know she's still two, but, um, right. Not yet. Um, no, not yet. She is Good. on the more petite side, so she doesn't look two. that she's still big. A little um, but I think, you know, for me, part of what I love about baby wearing, and we are at a stage where we can use some of the like a diverse group of carriers you know i prefer one facing in when when we're home when she's with me but there is an opportunity when i'm out and if she is forward in a, in a forward facing carrier to for people to see her and for me that's a little bit of like where the advocacy piece comes in like where i can help the community around me see her because kids will ask questions i'll see people staring um and be able to say hello this is Blair. Would you like to say hello? You know, going into therapy, we're often in the elevator with people. And if I'm baby wearing her, even, you know, inward or outward, she's able to see them. They're able to see her. And I think there's something really beautiful about that. So for now, where she is at right now, baby wearing is going to be a thing for me. So I like what you mentioned about being in the elevator and her being able to see, because when I, one of the things that I think is really cool about baby wearing and I'm, you know, I'm certainly suggesting, you know, it's great to do a mixture of both depending on where you're at and what you're doing. So if you need a stroller, if you're going for, you know, a walk in the zoo versus baby wearing. But what I like about baby wearing over a stroller is that they're at your eye while higher up. So they get your point of view, like the the point of view of the world from a taller person's eyes mm-hmm. versus looking at butts yeah. <laughs> sitting at the stroller. So yeah. I think that's kind of cool because even if they're forward facing in, if people in an elevator stop and talk and communicate, like they're able to, you know, communicate back. And so they may not get that if they're not at eye level with somebody. Right. So I love that. That's really cool. So have you noticed any developmental impacts of baby wearing you know do you feel like it provides good you know support for her you know uh, muscles like do you do you make a point of tucking her hips in so it provides good support for you know hip development and growth Mm -hmm. do you feel like that that's helped at all um or it's just do you use it as like a mode of of transportation and a mode of comforting and Mm -hmm all of the other benefits? I think from a developmental standpoint, it's largely around her emotional regulation, actually. And I would, I would consider that part of development for her. Um, You know, oftentimes I know it's time for baby wearing when she's down on the ground and she's, she's really cranky. She wants to be held. And, you know, I saw someone on you know, on Instagram just a, just a short time ago, talk about how being a mom is a physical role. Being a mom or a dad, it's physical. Oh, yes. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I've ever heard it put that way, but having for her be able to help her emotionally regulate. For my typical child, I can get on my knees because she, she stands, she walks. I can look at her and I can say, you're okay. Like, let's walk through this. She can understand, she can comprehend. Even at mm-hmm. two, I could talk, I could have more of like, 
um, a conversation with her, she would understand she would be able to kind of adjust how she was, how she was at the time. Um, But for Blair, she's not there yet. So being able to show her, calm her, I think are things that are going to help her as she grows, as she develops to know how to emotionally regulate, how to be somewhere where she feels safe, where she can be calm, where she can relax. Yeah. We just started a new year. What are your goals for, for Blair this year? You know what? I'm letting Blair lead. Uh, I'm I'm letting Blair lead in uh, in 2024. You know, we've got a a wonderful team around her. Um, We are kind of throwing everything at her. And so I think I'm going to let her lead, let her tell us where she's at. I think from my perspective, we do do so much. Mm -hmm. And something that I'm personally reflecting on is making sure that I recognize if something might be too much. She's not going to be able to tell me that. But I mean, at any given week, when you've got four to five appointments for that poor girl, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if that becomes normal, if that becomes regular, if we're not finding space for her to have joy for play, that's where I may step in. But otherwise, she's pulling to stand. She's cruising along, you know, along coffee tables. She's showing that interest in walking. She's babbling a little bit more. And I feel like we're on the cusp of her doing some really cool things. So I'm going to I'm going to let her her take the lead here. We're going to do what we can to help her shine. That's absolutely beautiful. And that is such good words of wisdom for any parent, because I definitely, we we're all maybe guilty of it and it's not necessarily a negative thing, but we totally are like, is my child hitting all of their milestones? Oh man, they're, they, we hit six months. What if they're not sitting up yet? My friend's baby's sitting up. Why is my baby not sitting up? Like let your baby run the show. You know what I mean? Like meet them where they are. And I think what is just so beautiful is finding joy in the moment and remembering to play. I love that. That's such good advice. So what do you have, because that was really beautiful, but I want to ask before we end, if you have any words of wisdom, because you've come this far, looking back on your journey um, and what you've learned in the past two years, uh, what do you, what, is there anything that you would have done differently or that you would recommend somebody else learn from, from your experiences and do differently? I don't know if I would do anything differently. I think it's been a learning experience. Um, and I fully lean into that. I, I can accept the fact that I may not have done everything exactly how it should have been, but Again, I am part of some really, really wonderful communities locally, nationally, globally for Down syndrome. And that is teaching me so much. So I'm very lucky to have that. But then, you know, I think when it comes to advice or or recommendations, like we just talked about, there's going to be so much going on with a medically complex child. And for me, it's what are the tools that I can have in my pocket to help make things more efficient? What can I do to ensure that things move the way they should be going like that everything just jives you know it's what's that normal that we can get into but then what can we what can we use that's around us that's going to make things a little bit easier and i think those are the things that are going to just help make the day um, yeah you've mentioned your groups a couple times what how did you find them like did did anybody did any of your providers say hey there's this really good local group you should join or did you do the work yourself did you go home and Google search or Facebook search? Like, what did you do? 
I think I was maybe, a, you know, a little aggressive on my um, community finding in the beginning. I think as soon as I got off the phone, I was like, you knew what oh you needed. God. I yeah. was like, oh my gosh. I mean, that's what worked for me. My husband is more of a silent reflective type. Yeah. So he didn't quite follow that same path. But I was like, I've got to find, you know, that, that community. And one of the groups that we got connected with earlier was Rising Kites. Um, and they provide kind of informational bags to hospitals um, and other places so that they can provide information directly to families who are receiving a diagnosis or get a diagnosis of um, Down syndrome at birth. And they've been such a wonderful organization to, to kind of follow along. And recently here in our area, we were able to help them get bags within our hospital system up here in Northern Virginia. Um, and to me, having the ability to kind of pass something good along um, to the community here and being able to help ensure that maybe, you know, the next few families that come through here that are going to receive a diagnosis at some point within their pregnancy or at birth um, are going to be given that joy, given that opportunity to see the really good um, that is in the Down syndrome community through um, an organization like Rising Kites. So that's one of many. But um, again, so much opportunity out there, so much good community. You know, it's not in our lives until it is. And um, I certainly would encourage everyone to take the time to see what's out there. These communities aren't visible um, often if it's not part of your life. Um, so maybe, maybe take a look, see if you can find any out there, um, follow along, see all the good work um, and goodness that comes out. Yeah, I love that, absolutely. And that is something, you know, if you're looking for a group or cause to support, then absolutely anything, anything involved with anything. children, you can't go wrong. So nope. I love that. So, you know, again, what I, what I hear you saying, so Rising Kites is a great group. Being your own advocate, that is definitely a theme um, with a lot of the, the guests that I have on the show is that it's so important to, to get out there. Yeah. If you know that you need something, you got to kind of get out there and be your own advocate, be your child's advocate. Um, and the biggest thing is that to know that you're not alone. Like there are these great, great supportive groups out there. So there's going to be other moms that have walked the journey or can are a little bit ahead of you, a little bit behind you or can walk it with you. And I, I think that that is just like absolutely invaluable to have somebody to, to go with you and to bounce, bounce life off of. So yep. thank you so much, Andrea, for coming on and for sharing Blair's, you know, journey and um, kind of giving us what you have found to be helpful and what has really been beneficial for you. So I appreciate your time so, so much. Uh, everybody that is listening, we will be back every Tuesday. You can listen on Spotify and Amazon Music and YouTube. Um, so lots of options there. Um, you guys know that you're not alone and we're all into this parent thing together. <laughs> we are all figuring it out and you know, we're all going to do great. So thanks so much. You guys enjoy the week. Thank you. Thank you all for joining us on today's episode of baby wearing and breastfeeding nurturing miracles. I hope you found our discussion enlightening and that you leave feeling supported and empowered. Remember, you are not alone on this journey. Tune in next week for more insights and conversations that connect us all in the shared experience of parenting. Until then, take care and cherish every miracle with your little ones.